0: Hello, and welcome to The Sequin Playbill, the podcast shining a spotlight on live theatre and drag culture, brought to you by Raven S. Claw. Today's episode, we explore my journey getting into the live theatre scene, and we take a look at the 2023 season at Shaw Festival. Greetings, listeners, your host Ravenous Claw here, back again with another episode of the Sequin Playbill. And today's episode, we will now be looking to the past for the first portion of this episode, where I will be going through my beginning, my middle, and my current experience in the live theater industry. My experience, my exposure to live theater has been pretty much throughout my entire life. Like, my very first live theater experience was, uh, well, the first time that I was on the stage was when I was uh, eight years old, and I was in grade three, and I was doing a Christmas play. This is the very first live theater I did as a performer, and it was a Christmas show put on by my class in grade 3, and it was, like, American Idol, but Christmas-themed, so it was called Santa Idol, and it was basically looking for the next Christmas star. Um, I think we had, and, like, we had the typical judges of, like, Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul, and, um, oh... Uh, the last guy. Shoot. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Jay? No. No. It was the OG American Idol judges, anyways. But the contestants were like Mariah Carey. I think we had a Michael Buble. I think we had a Frosty the Snowman, a Rudolph, and the Grinch. And let me tell you, you can (sighs) probably- Three guesses which I got to play, because if anybody knows me, knows that I do Jim Carrey very well, and I had so much fun being the Grinch. I had a green like athletic shirt, uh, blue jeans, and my mother painted my face green, and my sister actually had Grinch gloves, so I got to borrow those from her, and I got to be the Grinch lip syncing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I lip synced that. Wow. Okay, so I was lip syncing to other people's music at a very early age. Wow. Being a drag queen really should not have been a shock to anyone. Anyways, yes, I was a, I was the Grinch and I lip synced "You're a Mean One," um, specifically the live, um, the live adaptation with Jim Carrey, and I feel like I stole the show. It was. It was quite an experience, and it is—it's a—it's a memory that has pretty much been ingrained into my head. Green me standing on a stage, lip-syncing to the Grinch. Oof, that's something I'm never ever gonna forget. Um, but yeah, so that was my very very first experience on a stage performing for an audience, and. After that performing, um, we went on school trips and whatnot to see live theater. I remember one of my first live shows that I saw was actually, um, Wicked. Uh, I want to say it was in in grade six. I want to say we went and saw Wicked and I would have been 11 Yes, I, bl- I would have been 11 when I went and saw Wicked, and I loved it. I think my favorite thing when I was young was basically going and seeing the dragon on the proscenium, and then all of a sudden the dragon moving, and I absolutely was gobsmacked. I, it, 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 it It's weird that Wicked was my first show that I saw live, live, even though now I'm kind of over it. It's weird, but that was the first show that I saw live. Now before that, I was listening to musicals and I watched movie musicals. When I first got into them, my absolute favorite movie musicals were Cats and Phantom of the Opera. Don't ask me why Phantom of the Opera was my favorite as a child. It's so problematic thinking about it now. Oof. But yeah, Phantom of the Opera was one of my favorites, and I even wanted to learn how to sing the music of the night <laughs> as a child. Oh boy, <laughs> and it, I'm not even, I'm not going there. Oh, I'm not going there. But yeah, Phantom of the Opera was my first, and Cats was my other first movie musical that I got into. So oddly enough, film was my exposure to musical theatre, and then Wicked was my exposure to in-person first-hand theatre, and Santa Idol was my first-hand experience being on the stage as a performer. So that kind of explains a lot now that I think about it, but after I fell in love with Phantom and Cats, I... Started to have an appreciation for Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I actually, as a child, learned "Close Every Door" and any, um, any dream will do. Um, not like for an audition piece, but like as a child, I learned those songs as if I was preparing for an audition. But like to the point where my mother even coached me on. Parts of the songs and whatnot. Um, she directed live theater when I was young as well. The one show that I remember she directed was in Niagara here, um, and she directed Annie when I was super freaking young. Um, actually, I'm not even sure if I think I was like just it was. I think it was just after I was born, or maybe she was still pregnant me when she directed it but I feel like it happened after I was born. Uh, But yeah, so my mother being a director and being in love with theater and musical theater obviously rubbed off on me, so... Really shouldn't be a shock there, either. Um, And so, yeah, grade 6, we went and we got into Wicked. We saw Wicked. And grade 7, I um, was in another play, obviously, in school, and it was... A staged adaptation of Dr. Seuss's. um. Colors? My Many Colored Days. Yeah, by Dr. Seuss, I believe. My Many Colored Days. And. <laughs> here's another shocker. I was the character black. <sighs> yeah, a lot. Of, thinking about it now, a lot of this shit was really not surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy. But. After that, that was grade 7, and then grade 8, there were- wa- Oh, and obviously drama class was, like, my favorite in grade 7 and 8. Um, I uh, we got to actually, like, have lights in our, um, drama room. We had, like, the, um, pars and whatnot. But yeah, our drama class in 7 and 8 were one of my favorite classes. And then my other, um top favorite, was my other favorite in middle school was visual arts, so uh, that explains the combination of theater and visual arts. And then in grade 8, I was in a play about, oh, it was um, The Night Before Christmas, but it was a modern adaptation, so like, oh, and that was also the first time I actually got to do set design because I, may, I remember making a 2D cardboard chimney um, for that. And it was, it it was intense. I remember not going out for recess to work on it, and it was, I was very proud of that. I remember it now and like, I am very proud of that. I was a very much an artsy person and a theater person by grade eight. Definitely the combination of visuals and dramatic started merging in grade H. Uh, after that I went to high school, and this high school is where I blossomed. Oddly enough, my high school career, I would go and experience again, oddly enough. College, I started to get really, really, really depressed, oddly enough, but it was high school that I remember with fond memories. Um it was high school where I really got to experience large scale musical theater production as well as set design. In high school, I went to um, a specialist arts, like it, it after, um, I think it was grade 10, they adapted the, or they adopted this program called the Niagara District Academy for the Arts program, which came over from an other high school that got shut down, and most of the students there kind of got merged with us. Um, but it was definitely, it's definitely like known as the art school um, here in Niagara, and um, grade nine was a musical year because they do their musicals every- they do their large, large productions every other year. And it was when I went in, they were doing How to Succeed and I auditioned and I got cast in the ensemble for it. Um, I was extra- I didn't know what to expect, but I did go and see, um, their production of Sweet Charity two years prior. Um, When my sister's friend was in it, and one of my soon to be classmates was actually a part of it too. Um, And it was huge. Like, I did not know high school productions were this grand. I thought they were always like the scale that. I had exposure to, like with just middle schools and whatnot, but it was full-on sets. It was full skyline motifs. It was moving set pieces. It was huge, like actual full-on walls, much higher than the actors, to give it believability. It was so cool, and then to get to go, was a no-brainer. My parents even asked me if I wanted to go to the high school that my sister first went to, and I was like, "No, nope, I want to go to this arts high school. But even then, they were like, yeah, we figured, so they, they sent me there. And so yeah, my first big uh, musical was How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And it had like the costume changes, the set was impressive, the dance numbers weren't dense, My drama teacher was our director, and she was so freaking cool. Um, Ironically, she messaged me just recently uh, asking for my help with costumes, and I was so excited, because finally I'm at a point in my life where my old teachers are coming to me for some advice, and I'm like, FUCK YES! Um, But, yeah. So, she was so freaking awesome um as a director and as my teacher too. She was like, definitely this high school, a lot of the teachers definitely saw you as like like not on the same level, but like we're on the same level. Like they didn't talk down to you. They didn't look down on you. They saw you as a person who has all of this opportunity for learning and they took it seriously and they didn't brush you off as just another student that they have to deal with until the next batch in. It was so much cooler and you built such great bonds with the professors and the teachers and everything. Um, So doing How to Succeed as my first show was super cool. And then the second year, was my second grade, my grade 10 year in high school, second year in high school, was an off musical year, but they still had a show, which was kind of like a, um, not a variety show, but it had scenes and excerpts from written plays. Some stuff was written by students, and other stuff were by established playwrights and whatnot. And... I had a, did he, was he, yeah, my director for that, I believe it was this guy called named Mr. Simpson, and no, no, it wasn't Mr. Homer Simpson, but Mr. Simpson, because he became a teacher um, the following school year um, for stuff, but I finally met him for the first time when I was in grade 10, and he directed me in a scene from a show called New Canadian Kid by Morris Panitch, who also wrote um, Girl in the Goldfish Bowl, which is a really interesting play. I highly, if you guys ever find the script for it, go and read The Girl in the Goldfish Bowl. It's super interesting, and New Canadian Kid. New Canadian Kid is one of my favorite plays um, by a Canadian uh, playwright. Um, but yeah, so he directed me into that, and that was my first exposure to strict plays. Not musical theater, just plays, with no music and dancing. And at that age, I was super biased against plays, because there was no music and dancing and entertainment, and I thought plays were boring and all this stuff, but then I actually read New Canadian Kid, and I actually fell in love with it because it was the characters, and it was the plot, and it was the relatability, because it was set with high school kids, and it was super relatable, and I loved it. So come third year, we're back to another musical year, and we're doing The Drowsy Chaperone. So another really fun, upbeat, freaking musical, and it's set in the 20s, it's super high camp and comedy, and... This year was also the year that I was eligible to take our set design course um, with my teacher, Kathy Bureau. And so she exposed me to the world of set design and theater production design. Um, the way that that class ran was we basically all divided up into groups. One group was, like, on the unit set that was stationary the entire time. Another group were on, like, the garden scene. Another was set on the, um, oriental scene, which was mine. Another group was set on, um, poolside scene. Um, and so it was another fun experience and memory working now on the -the behind-the-scenes aspect of a show, as well as being in the show as well. I was, um in the, uh, ensemble as well as one of the four reporters that, um, get to interview Janet during the pool scene in Show Off. Um, but that show means a lot more to me just because, um, that show took up first semester and then when we got into second semester there were still things that needed to be done but when we got back to school for second semester our set design teacher had to go on leave for health reasons. Um, She had to leave for chemotherapy because she uh, discovered uh, cancer Um, and so the guy who directed me the previous year he's an art teacher and a theater teacher so he actually stepped in to help with the rest of the set design that needed to be finished as well as with um, some of the theater things and sort of just helped get the rest of the show finished and tidied up and everything Um, so drowsy is an extremely important and memorable show for me because um the following year the uh set design teacher passed away and that that was basically her last show that she worked on and I was her last set design class that she taught so I um definitely remember drowsy with nothing but the best memories and good times being on the stage and in the production, uh, side the uh, the behind the scenes production side um but that was the thing that basically solidified my want to be involved in the behind the scenes production side of, of live theater, um Especially the set side, uh, it was. It basically, I give my entire career to Kathy Bureau for exposing me and teaching me what I started with, and exposing me to the live theater production side. Um, and then after that year, the following year, off musical year, we did um, another sort of. Uh, Cabaret style drama night, and I was directed again by um, Mr. Simpson, and it was in some obscure comedy farce about oh crap, uh, Medea. That's it. It was Medea. It was a really, really, really farce, Medea, and. Um, And it was high comedy and camp, and um, the lead woman who was uh, the the girl who was playing Medea was like playing the whole thing straight and intensely and earnestly, while the rest of us who were like the leading players and the ensemble, we were just like goofing around and screwing around the entire scene, um, sort of being the comedic relief the entire time, while she's taking it extremely seriously, just for that contrast and juxtaposition, which was hilarious. Now that I think about it. imagine what it looked like. Um, But that, again, that also was the same year that um, my set design teacher passed away. And so, after that, I told myself to go, I was going into set design for college after high school. Um, But, me being me, at at high school age, I was... Um, quite the procrastinator and when it came to um, submitting applications and um, booking interviews for admissions for stuff the program that I really really wanted to go into um, the deadline passed for booking interviews so I ended up screwing that up and I just went and applied to the next easiest thing I knew I could probably get into which was just a basic art and design foundations program after high school and spent uh, my first year after call after high school in um a one-year college program and whatnot and it didn't focus on theater or um acting or anything um or art it or it, it was it was art it was art and design foundations but it was very generic um and it was kind of a write-off year because I also, um, I didn't really go see that much theater and I, cor- I sort of, like, I didn't, f- well, I, I kind of fell off the face of the earth with regards to theater and musical theater and whatnot, which kind of explains why that was a really dark year for me and my depression really hit me that year. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, because it was, there was zero theater and zero anything, and it was a really dark time. But then I also started to get myself into drag at 18, and I started to take it... Well, started to take it seriously as in, I started publicly performing my second year of college because, once again, not learning how to not procrastinate, I applied for that theatre program again for second year of college, and I missed the date to apply altogether! So then I went and I applied for the digital photography program at the same college so I wouldn't have to go anywhere. And I got into that so now I was basically stuck for two more years at this college. Um, But I started to do drag at the same time. So I was a lot less super depressed because I had a theatrical outlet. Still not seeing, direct, Still not seeing like, live theater, though. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, did I really not go see anything that entire time until I left? Which, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I don't think, I think I really took a strong three-year break from anything theater-related. Um, first, second, and third year of college. But after third year of college, which was the end of... My photography program and i graduated i finally applied to the theater production program that i originally wanted to go went and did the interview got accepted and moved to toronto finally the center hub of the theater world here in ontario well Yeah, I would say, here in Ontario, yeah. Because it's the amount of theatres that are in Toronto. I had no idea until I moved there and I was in a theatre program did I actually realize how much theatre there is in Toronto. The arts and culture scene in Toronto is next level. So when I move to Toronto, I start the program and it's everything that I hoped it would be. I had a props class, a scenic painting class, um, set construction, wardrobe, stage management, lighting, electricity, well, the electricity was kind of iffy. And then I had like my electives, which there was a philosophy of love and sex class, and I was like, sign me up. Oh my god, that was so interesting. I loved that. Oh, and then there was, oh no, that was at the college before. There was an elective for, um, (laughs) uh, vampires in literature and film, oh, I loved that, I loved that course so much. But um, yeah, so program was everything that I hoped it would be, and I, I mean obviously I specifically loved um, the scenic painting class, the set construction, and the wardrobe class. but the way that this program worked was the it was a two-year program. So the first year, students were all on the cruise and did the grunt work and whatnot for a lot of the shows that we're putting on um, that the theater programs were putting on. Both the performance and the production programs worked in tandem, obviously, to put shows on. Um, and there were about, uh, I want to say there was about two or three good-sized productions that um, the programs put out. The the end-of-the-year, third-year show was always the biggest one, and it was so fun to work on. Um, Granted, I was only on the scenic painting class, but that was a much fun class. And the program also outreached to designers out in Toronto who were putting shows on, and actually collaborated with the program so that we were doing... Some of the production stuff for the shows that were being put on in Toronto. So I was on the scenic painting crew for one of the shows that were happening at the theatre, Crow's Theatre, at the Crow's Nest, Crow's Theatre in Toronto. And I got to um, paint a whole bunch of flower beds and I did painting on some really, really, really nice um, hardwood flooring that was really pretty. But yeah, so the program um, for theater production was so cool, and we had classes that overlapped with performance kids, and I was extremely... with the performance kids as opposed to the production kids. Which you'd think that, like, you would be closer with, like, your fellow classmates, but, like, they were my classmates, but they weren't in my program. But I felt so much more connected with them than the other production kids. There was, like, a weird... I don't know what it was. Like, the personalities in the performance kids were so much different than the personalities of the production kids. Like, I think the production, it's a stereotype, but it kind of was true. That, like, the production kids were the behind the scenes and they were a lot quieter. And, like, a lot of them weren't partiers. Whereas the performance kids, they were loud, they were fun, they partied, and I hung out with them all the time. And I got really close with a lot of them. They become really good friends. And I kind of started to bail out of the production program after seeing the people that were in the performance program. And I basically, after first year, I... Well, I didn't finish first year. It was about halfway through the second semester in first year that I was like, okay, I have to do the performance program because these are my people. These are my... this is my crowd. This is my tribe. And I kind of just like mentally gave in um, at the end of second semester and I went and applied and I actually auditioned for the performance program and unfortunately I didn't get in. but that basically meant because I didn't finish technically second semester of first year I would have had to have redo I would have to redo it but I financially could not afford it I mean Toronto itself is a stupid expensive place to live like unless you're making like 5 grand a month living in Toronto is absolutely ridiculous to live comfortably so I moved back home after that, and I had to get right back into the theater scene, so right after that, I went and, um, auditioned for a show here with a community, th- a local community theater, um, but I was being, like, a real, I was stupid as a auditionee for this one show. It was a production of Damn Yankees, and me being me, I was like, because they said, um, on the audition form, it said, with your audition, you write down the roles that you're auditioning for, but then there's a box that you should tick if you would be okay with just being cast in the ensemble if you weren't to be cast in one of the leading role parts. And me being the dumbass that I was. I was like, no, I want either one of these lead roles or nothing. And that was such a dumbass decision. Um, cause I was, I'm not even, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna expose that. I'm not gonna talk about that. But I only wanted to audition for these two roles. And if I didn't get it, I didn't want to go in. that was the stupidest thing. Because the show after that, it was the same director um, that was doing this show, and it was the Adams Family musical, and I was pumped. Um, this one, I was auditioning for Fester, or um, was it mostly was it Fester? I think it was mostly Fester that I was auditioning for, or ensemble, but it was mostly just Fester. Um, so they called me. Wait, no, I went in to audition for uh, Lucas, who was the boyfriend, and then they called me back for Fester. Which is hilarious, Um, because I'm not bald, nor am I an uncle. Um, But they called me back, and that was close to getting faster, but I got wedged into the ensemble role because the director specifically wanted me to be a ghost that is mentioned in the script um if you've seen the show and or read the script you'll know you'll you might recognize um aunt herman the man in a dress (laughs) (laughs) which woo typecasting um i mean i'm probably the only person in that entire show that would have been as comfortable and as excited to have been a man in a dress as a ghost. <laughs> and oof, that dress. oh that was that that dre- oof, that dress was a choice. Oof. But it was ghostly, it was ghostly. Um but that show the cast and everything we were so tight-knit and it was such a good cast we all agreed that like we wanted to tour this production we were like can we please tour can we please keep doing this show for as long as possible it was so freaking fun um So, I got the bug again after that show, thank God, because it was missing. So, after Adam's Family, I went and re-auditioned, and we did Beauty and the Beast, the musical Now That was an experience in itself. Oof, that was a stressful show. That was such a big production, and there were big egos in that show um, that we all had to contend with. So, that was an interesting... That was interesting. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't try to, we don't remember that show as well. I mean, we remember it, but we don't remember it with fondness. And then after that, I took a break from performing, and I was asked by the um, producers to do the costume design for the next show that was coming up, Legally Blonde! So... Yeah, stifle your laughs. Because this production was both stressful and fun as flodge. because I got to do the set and costumes for this show. It was, yes, a lot of pink barely any black. I think my favorite character in this whole show is Vivian Kensington, because she wears black basically the entire show, so I was super happy about that. And um, that show was a high-stress situation, because it was over... um, I want to say it was about a cast of almost 30, maybe 25? And I went with the costumes I made, and it was it was early 2000s, so it was not difficult for me to get into the early 2000s mindset and style and fashion for that show. It was easy for me to do, but it was stressful because of how much work there was. And it was a lot, because there were a lot of different scenes, and I wanted to make sure that people weren't just wearing the same thing for the sake of, um, just for the sake of, like, Ease, I wanted it to be more believable that this was a shift in location or a shift in time. Like, if it was like a three minute moment, but it was two different scenes, I wanted there to be changes to what people were wearing because I didn't want people to just wear the same thing. Because I want a real definition and difference in time. That's just me as a costumer, um, being. A costumer, uh, but that was one of my first experiences as a sole costume designer, and it was again, it was stressful. But it was a bug that I caught, and it's still with me. And I'm praying that it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, I'm praying this bug does not leave. This is the only bug that I will approve of keeping for the rest of my life. Um. And then, after doing that show, I went back into the acting scene because I sat in on those rehearsals all the time, and once again, being on the production side, and all of a sudden you missed the performing, go back into the performing side. And, um, I had to take a brief break from doing drag at the same time. So, I didn't get my performance out through drag while I was focusing on production, so i think i've nailed my equal balance i found doing drag helps get my performance bug out and doing the production helps me get my design bug out so i think i have found the golden scales to keep myself happy (laughs) and to keep me at at peace so then quickly moving forward, after doing the production for Legally Blonde, went, re-auditioned, and did, um, and I acted in Oliver, yeah, the, please sir, can I have some more, show, that one, um, and I got my, finally, I got one of my first principal roles as Bill Sykes, the big scary meanie of the show. Which was interesting because the kids that were in it first were um, introduced to me and saw me as Bill Sykes, this big scary ass person. And I will. Uh, there was one kid. One kid. And I will keep the story for as long as that kid lives. His mom was one of the kid wranglers, and she comes up to me one day during dress rehearsals, and she's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I'm like, what did I do? She's like, you gave my kid nightmares. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah yeah okay i can see that i'm not sorry but i can believe it so and she's she said that he woke up in the middle of the night one night and screamed and y- and called her and he went it was bill sykes and she like she she said she had to stifle her laugh a little bit because i gave her kid nightmares yes <laughs> oh i was so proud of myself that i gave a kid nightmares for that role <laughs> uh, but yes, that that was one of my crowning achievements during that production. And then, so after, oh, what was it? After Oliver? Oh, COVID! Freaking COVID! Yeah. So yeah, Oliver was in the spring of 2019. Spring of 2019 or fall of 2019 no it was the fall of 2019 because early 2020 we actually started to work on Sister Act and um the costume designer who does all the costumes for this theater company unfortunately um Sister Act was her show last show as well um so we start working on Sister Act and um the director who was working on um Yeah, so the guy who directed um, Adam's Family, who put me as Aunt Herman, once again, cast me as the drag queen in Sister Act. Oh, I really hope you're listening to this podcast. I hope you you know who you are! (laughs) Um, But yeah, so cast me as the drag queen in Sister Act. I guess if you know what you're doing and you do it well don't do it for free. Anyways, so Sister Act, supposed to happen spring 2020. It was a week before we opened, and it was coming up to the weekend where we were moving into the theater, and COVID shut everything down. Bang, bang, boom, Bob's your uncle, the world exploded, and then we all just went into hiding. So we all know how that happened. So, drag, in relation to that, drag went Virtual and digital, so we started doing virtual drag shows and whatnot um, for that, yeah. And it uh, was—I mean, we all lived, we all went through COVID, so we know how that went. Um, And then everything started to open back up, and we got the i went i was able to go see more theater and whatnot and um, we weren't able to do any shows yet with this theater company we weren't able to do anything yet so i was just doing social distanced drag shows still um no theater but then they finally announced that the fall of 2022 they're finally going to be doing this show woohoo exciting this was um spring of 2022 So we were like, okay, cool. So at the end of this year, they're going to be doing it. I get a call from Club Med in the spring of 2022. And they're interviewing for costume designers. So I was like, oh, really? I'm not doing anything right now. Hmm, okay. Um, So... I do the call, I go through the interview process, and within a month of the first call to this moment, the, um, they finally uh, have me on their roster as uh, costume designers. And they're like, okay, so give it about a week. Um, we'll let you, we'll email you or call you whether or not we have a position for you just so you're not up in the air and i was like okay cool that's really really helpful and i greatly appreciate that not three hours later did they call back being like so we have a a spot for you to go to and i was like no way i'm hoping it's to their quebec um branch because i wanted to stay in canada and stay local and stay and say stay within like the four seasons and sea fall and um stay in canada during the summer and they go you're going to turks and caicos and i'm like turks and where where is that it sounds hot and i look it up and i'm like it's south of the bahamas are you it's just north of the dominican what the hell absolutely I'll take it. Why not? I'm not doing anything with my life right now! But like actually, I really wasn't doing anything. I was literally just doing dragon, twiddling my fingers. So I was like, absolutely. Didn't tell anybody yet. So I accepted it, and then I told my parents that I'm moving to Turks and Caicos for um, a job. My mother kinda lost her shit, but that also like kinda came around right after. Um, It was while we went to visit my sister, so I was at least in, I thought nice, long, I thought long and hard about how to do this. So I was like, well, if we're going to visit my sister, I'd rather do it with other family around so nothing can go south. Or it can go south, but in a not blow-uppy way. So I thought smart about it. And so I basically packed up my life and had to leave within two weeks of that apparently that's long for some club med people apparently some people get like two days notice or like a week notice i got two weeks so that was incredible so i got to pack up my whole life and move down to turks and caicos club med live on resort live on an exotic island that is highly expensive oh is that island expensive damn and yeah get to do costume design for six months it would have been longer, but there was something, I don't know, there was something about living that. There was, there, I don't know what, it, I don't know what, how to describe it, but there was something about being way down there for that long, doing basically the same thing day in and day out. Um, I kind of got stale very quickly there, and there was just stuff that I wasn't vibing with, so I stuck out for the um, whole season and then basically explained to HR like, yeah, I did the season, well, okay, so for Club Med, a season is six months, not like spring, fall, winter, all that. And the season for them is six months, so half the year. Um, so I started May 1st, and I went until mid-November, and I came back home. And literally, within two days of being home, I'm literally in the car on the way back home. I wasn't driving, but I am literally on the way back home, and I'm already looking up tickets to go and see Sister Act, that my that the production that I... The company that I... The community theater group that I always performed with. I'm already looking at tickets for the next day because I miss them so much. Um, so, definitely... Definitely a different vibe. That's what it was. It was... The, lo- the costume design and whatnot for Down and Clement was more for the smaller shows, the circus troupe, um, putting costumes on different people for different events and whatnot, depending on the holiday or if we had any like fun games going on. It wasn't just live theater, whereas I have a specific focus in just live theater. I just want to costume shows. Um, so that's part of what it was. So when I got back home, everything felt right in the world, because when I got home, a month later, I got a job offer to work at Shaw Festival alongside one of their designers, and it was freaking amazing and relieving to have that email come in, because I literally was coming back home from Club Med with, like, The thought of, what am I doing, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And then this came in, and I'm... Everything just fell into place. And it was so relieving. It literally was more than just the whale of the world coming off of my shoulders. It was almost like... I collapsed on the ground and I fell asleep for a good... 36 hours and then woke up oh it was so amazing it was so good so that now brings us to now and I am just start I am just I am literally a few days away from getting into the meat and potatoes working at Shaw Festival um now for those of you who don't know what Shaw Festival is or aren't, like, familiar with Shaw Festival, so here in, um, Canada specifically, Ontario specifically, southern-ish, central Ontario-ish, um, so Shaw Festival is, um, oh, what, it's the, um, in in North America, Shaw Festival is the second largest repertoire theatre company. So that basically means there is a set um, cast of actors that perform at Shaw, and it's this group of actors that do all of the shows in this season. So uh, a good handful of them will go and do this show, a good handful of them will go and do this show, go and do this show, go and do this show, and then they might go and do another show. So they'll go do this one, and then they'll go do another one. They might over, the shows may overlap, the shows may be completely separate. So um, right now we have one show starting Mahabharata, um, and then after that, the next show that I believe will be start, uh, I can't remember, but... There's one show that is just start, but uh, going to be starting very soon, and then after, um, one show that I'm working on, one of the two that I'm working on, will be beginning previews in March. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Shaw Festival, um. The 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 the, so the history history of Shaw, a singular act of passion for theater by Brian Doherty of Niagara on the Lake and Calvin G Rand of Buffalo, inspired the Shaw Festival into being. Its first season in 1962, held in the Assembly Room of the historic courthouse, featured four performances each of Don Juan in Hell and Candida. The following year, the Shaw Festival Theatre Foundation was established as a non-profit organization. Um, that's a lot of theater companies. A lot of theater companies will start as a non-profit organization and like, still operate as nonprofits. profits um, in, fr- in its first decade, the Shaw Festival Company toured extensively in uh, the United States and Canada while experiencing explosive audience growth. On June 28th, 1973, in niagara lake Ontario, the Festival the festival Theatre was officially opened by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, designed and renowned Canadian architect Ronald Tom. The Festival Theatre enabled the Shah to mount large-scale productions, drawing national and international acclaim. So it's large and whatnot. Uh, the repertoire theater uh, also became known for reviving plays that other companies were unwilling or unable to produce. Seminal works such as Cavalced and Lulu once-popular genres such as operettas and stage mysteries, and neglected gems such as Waste and the Return of the Prodigal. In 2000, the festival began producing new plays written about Shaw's life, stuff set between 1856 and 1950. Um, let me see, what else? But, yeah, so it's basically its mandate is to follow stuff that sort of surrounds george bernard shaw's um life um helmed by artistic director tim carroll this 60th anniversary season so that would have been 2022 just last year um offers 13 productions from february 9th to december 23rd including musical and romantic comedy damn yankees Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest, Bernard Shaw's The The Doctor's Dilemma, and Too Good to Be True, or Too True to Be Good, uh, The Return of Cyrano de Bergerac, A Gripping Thriller with Gaslight, and Two Wonderful Holiday Season Offerings of A Christmas Carol and White Christmas. Um, but, yeah, so Shaw basically mostly does do shows set within that, uh, time frame of George Bernard Shaw's, um uh his life um with other shows and whatnot um kind of outside of it but still have that shaw vibe i guess there was one production they did that i saw they had they actually did shakespeare's henry v um and it was it was shakespeare but it was done in like i want to say it was a world war one or world war two bunker and hospital. And it was... I really enjoyed it. That was in their black box, Jackie Maxwell studio theatre space. And it was so cool. But it still had that vibe of a Shaw festival show. Like, there's just that vibe that you kind of get with Shaw. Um, and the... So this um, season. They're doing so right now. We have at the festival theater, which is their main space, is um, Mahabharata. They are doing the Amen Corner, Blythe Spirit, and one of the two shows that I will be working on. They are also putting on The Musical Fable, book by Arthur Lawrence, music by Jules Stein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, suggested by the memoirs of Gypsy Rose Lee. I am working on Gypsy alongside um the set and costume designer who's the same the same guy i'll be assisting the set and costume design for gypsy which i am super pumped about because it is such a it's just such a i love that show i love gypsy there's so many musicals now that i'm in love with and gypsy's one of them um, also, their other two theater theater spaces uh, at their Jackie in their Jackie Maxwell Studio Theater, which is kind of like a black box, they are doing The Playboy of the Western World, The Apple Cart, um, and The Clearing. And then in their other theater space, the Royal George Theater, which is a bit smaller but still a very traditional uh, proscenium style theater, the uh, they're doing The Shadow of a Doubt, Village Wooing. Um, A lunchtime one-act show by Bernard Shaw on The Razzle, as well as the other show that I will be assisting with, Prince Caspian! You know, the C.S. Lewis book? This is going to be a staged adaptation of that, so do not miss it because you guys will not want to miss out how we are bringing fantasy, dreams, and like all of this magic into the 3D space into in-person live theater. The magic is so exciting. And, like, we're bringing animals to the stage. Uh, we, We are bringing Prince Caspian. What you, like, obviously, the movie is not gonna be exactly like the movie. Obviously not there are absolutely things in the movie that you cannot do in real life duh but just i highly encourage come and check out prince caspian not because it's chop well and i'm working there but just because it's magic and theater and it's just art it is just so exciting to see the work and everything come together it is so exciting um, and then, in the future, later on, um, outside at Shaw, they're doing The Game of Love and Chance, they're doing Mother Daughter, um, A Short History of Niagara, um, they're doing some concert and event series stuff, um, they're doing uh, Brigadoon and A Christmas Carol, uh, But you guys definitely, definitely, if you are from Central or Southern Ontario, definitely do check out Shawfest. Um, Also if you're not in this area and you're a bit more West Ontario um, and you're near Stratford, go and look at Stratford. Stratford has its own mandate and its own vibe and style and whatnot. I want to say Stratford's focus is on Shakespearean work. Um, I want to say, I'm not too sure, don't quote me on that. But. Just, you know, go and see live theater. Live theater is something that everybody should experience because live theater has something that concerts don't have. Live theater is something that TV shows and movies don't have. And like, don't be shocked by the sticker price, but just experience theater and really just let it envelop you. But that's all from me. That's all from this thespian. Raveness Claw out. Cause that's Curtain.